are you living according to your friends and family and the people in your immediate environment because you feel like that's the way you should be spending your money and that's the way you should be um, living your life because there's no point in living to someone else's means. You have to live to your own because if you're not living to your own means, then you will actually be stretching out thin your relationship with money and go, oh, this isn't actually me, but I'm trying to make it fit to other people's lives. And then you'll jump on the charts going, oh, I need to make this work so that way I can actually have the boat to go hang out with my friends on the weekend. I don't really want to go boating. I'm happy just on one of theirs, but everyone's got one now, so I have to. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Jake, and you are listening to The Success Shift, a show where perfection does not exist, but learning and growth take center stage. Have you ever felt stuck, like you're doing all the work but not getting the results? Maybe you feel like there's something missing. Perhaps there is some sort of internal shift that's needed to really get you to that next stage of success. Well, buckle up and join me as we jump into the minds of those who have been successful in their field and dive a little deeper into what is actually needed to get you to that next level. Is success just a state of mind? Does believing you're successful act as a catalyst to greater success? Is it something we can work on or some people just luckier than others. No matter what you're into or where your passion lies, if you're wanting change or a shift in perspective, then you are definitely going to want to tune in. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a fantabulous, that's a new word I made up just then, fantabulous Wednesday. Um, Hump day. You haven't heard that term before, but during my uh, working days in the office, this was hump day, halfway through the week, heading over to the weekend. But as uh, you move to working in the entrepreneurial space, weekends and weekdays don't really differentiate much anymore. Either way, I hope you're having a fantastic morning, evening, afternoon. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Germany. Sun's out. My house is clean, which is nice. We've got this new heater and dehumidifier just to make sure that we don't have the same issues come up again, just for extra precautions. And uh, i got some new incense. So I'm having a fantastic day. And today I want to share with you some of my gratitude. Um, and we're going to kind of continue on from where we were speaking, what I was talking about yesterday. I started talking about relationships and, um, you know, more importantly, your relationship with self and relationship with money. Well, I think we're going to continue on with that because at the end, Deanna was asking about ways to kind of establish that relationship, which I thought was really quite a good question and something that's probably quite important to, to go over. So I'm going to sort of touch on base with that. But to begin, I want to share gratitude um, and kind of gratitude from a position of abundance, which is leading into the discussion topic today. And so for me today, I'm grateful for you know, literally, I was thinking about this a lot this morning. I'm grateful for every single dollar I have in my bank account. I'm grateful, you know, for the roof over my head, for the ability to have a beautiful home, which I can decorate and make my own. I'm super grateful for having a space that me and my lovely family can grow up in. Well, my son can grow up in, shall I say, and us. I'm always growing. I'm extremely grateful for the ability to pay for a new heater and a new um, dehumidifier. I'm extremely grateful for the Ugg boots I've got on my feet to keep myself warm. I love these Ugg boots. I'm extremely grateful for the food 
the nice food, the extra bits of food, the ingredients and the time I have. My favorite part of it every day is I get off trading in the afternoon, somewhere around 5.30, I get off my computer and I go into the kitchen and usually turn on some music and dance around and cook a nice meal and spend about an hour and a half to two hours cooking in the kitchen, either cooking or dancing or nibbling or whatever it is with my fiance and my baby. And that's literally my favorite time of every day. And I'm so grateful to have that opportunity, you know, my own lovely kitchen, um, the time to be in there and the freedom to just do nothing other than be in that moment um, with them. So I'm very grateful. I'm also grateful for new life. My friends, my fiance's best friend, they had their baby yesterday. And so there's a brand new baby. It's crazy. We, we, we got pregnant and then only a few weeks later, my fiance's best friend who was going to be the midwife said, I can't be a midwife anymore because I'm also pregnant. And so it's incredible the way the universe just so happens to um, make things work. And so I'm very grateful for new life. And I'm very just, sometimes it's good to just sit back and realize what you actually do have. Because so many people in this world do not have what we have, do not have the ability to sit at a computer to work, do not have the ability to have nice food on the table of fresh water and they're coming out of their tap, warm clothes and heaters to keep themselves roasty toasty during the cold weather. And sometimes it's really humbling to take a real step back and realize how lucky, lucky we are and how abundant we are. And I think the more we can be grateful for the things we do have, and actually understand how lucky we are, the more we can appreciate money, what it does, and um, you know where we sit in relation to many, many, many people in the world. Anyway, this is my little bit of gratitude this morning because it was um, got me thinking yesterday after our discussion, and I wanted to share with you um, some of the abundance gratitude that I feel like we should do on a regular basis, at least once a week, to really kind of humble ourselves and just bring us back down to to earth because i feel sometimes and don't get me wrong having dreams and aspirations is incredible and i don't think you should stop that in any way shape or form but sometimes we get so caught up in them and so chasing of the things and the monies and the bigger and the better that we kind of forget how lucky we are with the things we do have and i think this ties into our relationship with money because some people have so much but are so ungrateful and are so stressed and so panicky wanting more um that it builds this bad relationship with finances and um, and just money in, in general, I guess. So that said, before I go on, um, let's have a look at the chats. Let's see some gratitude coming in here. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Grateful for a fresh start and a new day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Grateful to move forward every day. That's great. Who was it that said, no matter what age you are, once you stop learning, you start dying? can't remember if I'm paraphrasing that quote, but you know the idea here is that as long as we're moving forward and growing every single day, that's the main thing. But for another beautiful day, my morning cappuccino and the technology available to be able to work at home. I don't have, haven't had a coffee today. It reminded me just then. So true, Jake. We are so blessed. I'm grateful for hope for the future. I'm also grateful for the relationships I have. Nice. Good morning. Grateful for all the love and support in my life. It's fabulous. All right. So what I'm going to do today, I'm hoping that when you jump on these calls, you do have a notepad and a pen ready. 
but I'm going to try and work walk through a few a few things that I believe um, can help get a better understanding of your individual relationship with money, and they come from a varying number of areas and factors. But I want you to have a pen and paper ready so you can write down a few things um, about yourself, and um, hopefully open your eyes up and get an understanding of where your relationship with money lies. Uh, now, this is just something that I was being doing research on, and I did an exercise for myself to try and understand it a bit better. And I think it could be helpful. So a bit more gratitude coming in here. I'm grateful for connected, joyful, and fulfilling relationships, and definitely for a roof over my head, a seat to sit on, and heat. I'm so very blessed. I'm grateful for having choices to be a business owner, grateful for the beautiful weather we are having, important to be living in the present moment, take time to enjoy every single day and keep learning and growing. Yeah, it's so important. I often find myself getting so wrapped up on the, in the things that I'm trying to do and achieve and chasing the finishing line that we forget to live in the moment and enjoy the journey and understand that the struggles and the the battle and the actual journey itself is actually what we should be living for and not for the, the final destination. Because if we do always live for that final goal or solution or result, then by the time we get there, it'll be like a very short-lived tire and you'll be bored and feeling like, oh, what do I do now? Where's the next thing? But if you fall in love with the process and continuing to do that, then it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're always going to be happy because you're going to be doing the thing you love, which is the actual process of, of creating achievements. So actually on that, one of the things I wanted to talk about, what I was going to talk about more towards the end, I may as well bring up now, it's that finding that balance between... Um, expectation and reality now there's a thing called the dopamine release and you may have heard me discuss this a bit before the dopamine balance but basically when they study habits there's a lot of science to show that the idea so they've got the cue the trigger and the reward and I think one other thing that I can't think of now, and this is, comes back to some of the stuff that's in Atomic Habits. So if you've read Atomic Habits, you may have an understanding of what I'm talking about. But basically, there is a cue that triggers us to do something. And then we get this dopamine release because of how we feel the something should result. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that there's been science to show that the actual expectation or the feeling of the final solution like the best example that i heard this was chocolate cake say you're sitting at home uh, sitting at work and you know you've got a big slice of chocolate cake in the fridge at home and all day you're sitting there going like mm, can't wait to have this cake when i get home like oh it's gonna be so good and you're thinking about it and you've got this dopamine relief during this time every time you think about that cake that spikes and you're like oh, i can't wait to have this cake it's gonna be so good and then you get home and you eat the cake and you're like ah you know that, that was actually Okay, that's because the dopamine that's released during the process of actually eating that cake was, isn't as high as what it was of the thought. And so your expectation for this cake was really high, but the reality was it was a bit mediocre. And so what happens? You get a bit of disappointment. And now who has been on the charts and had a blue day but still been disappointed? Put some ones in the chat. Crap, yes, one, 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 one. Okay, I've been there as well. You know, we, we've either traded really well and then over-traded and lost it, still ended up on blue, but been really disappointed. 
Um, who's had a day when they've ended up in the red but had a good day? One, a couple people. Yeah. Actually, yes. Yeah. So, like, if you haven't, that's fine. Like, that, I think that comes as you progress in your trading journey um, and you get down the thing and you start to be a bit more disciplined and you start to really focus on your trading plan. And, and you know, that comes from, I may have lost trades today, but I actually followed my rules and did the things that I was meant to do. And I'm really proud of that. But I think the original disappointment from a blue day, still feeling frustrated, is that expectation versus reality. You may have seen three good movements or you know that there's good volume or other people have made money. And then so you expect to have a certain, you've got a mindset of a certain number that you feel that you are deserved. And you're like, oh, I should have got this, like blah, 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 blah. And you're really disappointed because that expectation that you had for the amount you may bring back today does not compare with the reality of what you've actually pulled off the charts. And I think one of the biggest things here is if we can, it's like, it's so easy for us to shift our mindset from having these big expectations and then being really disappointed when we don't reach them to having little expectations and then being very grateful and overjoyed or overzealous when we exceed them. And at the end of the day, it's it, all this disappointment comes down to is your own expectations that you've set. It's all in the mind. Like you have a day on the charts and you go, oh, like I should have done this or I should have made this or I should have blah, 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 blah. And this comes down to what Deanna was saying with um, our verbiage and our positive verbs and our negative verbs. Should is actually a very negative ver word to use. And um, it implies that you were incorrectly doing something because something else should have been the outcome or something else should have been a op more optimal way of doing something. So I think, I can't remember which book I read it in, but the simple switch of changing should to could. So I could have made this, but I'm so happy with what I did make. It, it, it kind of removes that feeling of failure, I guess, like, oh, I should have actually done that. We need to stop shooting all over ourselves. Yeah, exactly. I like that. We need to stop shooting all over ourselves. Um, so it's so simple to change the expectation versus reality and the dopamine balance. Um, it takes practice. Don't get me wrong. It's not easy because it's kind of becomes habit or nature to have an expectation. Like, I don't know, we, we learn to aim for 5%. And so this becomes our baseline expectation when we start. Um, and then, you know, we leave the charts disappointed with half a percent, which is ridiculous because for most people, if you can understand that compounding effect, like half a percent is huge after a year of successful trading. Like you don't even need any more. But what this comes down to is the relationship with money. So your relationship with money is comes from a level of despair, like need or despair or I don't know, um, greed, depending on how you were brought up. And then you have this expectation which doesn't get hit. And so we get super disappointed even when we end up on a blue day. And I think we need to try and shift this mindset for ourselves because if you can be successful and grateful, if you be grateful in the little successes, they will add up over time to huge successes. But if we're disappointed and dismissive of our little successes and are always trying for these huge goals and are only happy when we reach them, 
we're going to find ourselves always chasing that happiness or that that want for i suppose approval from yourself and this becomes back to your relationship with yourself if you have a good relationship with yourself and you know what you're capable of and you accept when you make mistakes or you accept when you don't reach these ginormous goals then you'll be happy and proud and your energy and your mindset going to the next day even on a blue day where you've had lower you know where you haven't met your expectations if you can be happy on those days then it it compounds like everything compounds your emotions compound if you have like half a percent day half a percent day half a percent day when you're trying to get for five percent and you have three days in a row where you just get more and more disappointed in yourself then the next day you're going to come back and probably try and let emotions into the trading because you're like oh these last three days i should have got here but i actually only got here force a trade take losses and end up in the negative if you can be like sick i got half a percent i got half a percent i'm stoked i've made one and a half percent this week then you might get a two percent and you'll be even happier with that and rather than being down it's compounding in a positive way towards the end of the week this is making sense to people chuck some ones in the chat if this is clicking <laughs> yep okay cool so that expectation versus reality something that we should try and shift. And that also comes from gratitude, gratitude of abundance, being grateful for what we've got and not being disappointed in what we feel like we should have gotten. So now I want to talk about in the last sort of 10 or so minutes, um, that relationship with money. Okay. Um, so the relationship with money, I feel, comes from a few different areas. But as I said yesterday, mainly comes from your upbringing and the lessons you were taught. And so what I want you to do, grab your pen, grab your paper, and just write out the, when I say money, what are the first three words that pop into your head? Write them down and write, chuck them in the chat if you can, if you feel like sharing, but just the first three words that pop into your head when I say the word money. Right, now hopefully we've got some words down. Have I got anyone willing to share some of them in the chat? Freedom, fun, abundance. Okay, nice. And don't doesn't matter what you wrote down. It doesn't have to be positive. It doesn't have to be negative. It's all relative to you. Abundance, travel, security. Poverty, stress, anxiety. It's good that we've got differences here. Lack, freedom, stuff. Mm-hmm. As, as you can see, there's a range of different um our responses here and what this can tell us is kind of where your thoughts or where your values around money lie right if you've got like negativity towards or anxiety or stress then maybe you you feel like you might need to hold on to it more but if you've got like this freedom whatever stuff holidays then maybe you feel like you can use it in a more positive way that's empowering and so these kind of things are really good to understand about ourselves freedom lifestyle bounty right thanks for sharing guys so with that what i want you to write down next is and again this is for yourself describe your parents beliefs and values towards money or your caregiver or where whoever you grew up with you know whether it's your grandma or your, your sibling or whatever it was whoever kind of raised you write down in your words what you feel their beliefs towards values uh, towards money is and then and their money management shall we say 
like I was saying, my family, my um, my granddad grew up, at, well, he was in the 20s in the Depression area. He actually worked really hard and he was a judge in the end. He went into politics and law, he was a lawyer. Um, and then he distilled that beliefs on my family of school and very strong study hard work hard you know get into a career that looks after you and you know his job did look after him till the till the day he died that's the way it was back then but as things change you know my mum's a nurse um my dad's actually also a lawyer now but their their companies don't look after them till the day they die they have to have retirement plans and the government's looking at all this sort of stuff so things are changing um, and I love my parents to bits and everything they taught me, but there's certain aspects of what I feel their beliefs are that I'd like to change. Um, you know, they they work really hard, they save really hard, and it's all buy a house, savings, and kind of live frugally that way, right? But we can then change that. So I've got some people sharing in the chat here, so I'm just going to read some of them. Careful but willing to spend for making family memories. Nice. Hold on tight. Spend little. Scarce. Mm -hmm. arguments save now to live later for yeah i have that one a lot like save now to live later and i realized that i'm doing so much of the non-living because i'm trying to save that it's just backwards <laughs> and so then i completely switched out and now i have no savings well i'm getting there but respected money enough money successful business owners nice save for a good retirement yeah so as you can see again there's a range there and these are really irrelevant to everyone else but it's good to see how there is a varying degree of what people have beliefs in now what i want you to write down is what were the good aspects that you can take away from what they did in their money management system like some lessons they taught you or some things that you saw they did really well and write them down as well for example my dad was quite good at budgeting like he he would you know my family would spend a little bit to enjoy enjoy life but they were also a bit cautious on you know oh we, we can spend this amount but we've got to be a bit careful because of xyz and so i liked that they had a grasp on the ability to enjoy life but also were cautious not to just you know chuck it all on the credit card and be in huge amounts of debt for example that's what i would have down okay now once we've got that what I want you to do is write the opposite. So what aspects do you not want to take away? What do you think that they did poorly? What do you think that they could have done better? What do you think that you saw them do that, you know, affected negatively their money management? Sleep on bid expenditures, stock away 10% for emergencies. Nice. It's always good to have that like non-impulsive buy for those big things. And um, yeah, so stock away 10%. That's great. You know, you often hear people say, just put 5% away each paycheck, but no one ever really does it. Money was something you didn't talk about. Trying to change that with my children. Yeah, I had the same thing. Like you don't ask people how much they make. You don't talk about money. You, you know, it's all very secretive. And I thought that was ridiculous because it for something that people worry so much about, like arguing about money, Issues is the number one reason for divorce, which is crazy. And, you know, if it's something so like taboo, of course, when it's discussed in private, it's going to bring up more emotion. And it's, you know, so much of these things that are hidden away or a taboo, really, I feel it should be brought to a more conversational level um, in many things, actually. But that's 
another topic. Sadly, always saved but never lived. And yes, it was super top secret about cost, expenses, and money. Yeah, see, this is something that I feel like I would like to change as well. Um, but like, so what aspects do you not want to take away? Like for me, um, my parents were all savings and going like investing was was the wrong thing. It's too risky. It's too risky to invest. It's too risky to do this um, because they work so hard for their money. You know, why, why risk it and lose it? It's better just to have it safe and you, at least you know what you've got. But that puts you in that loop of, or that trap of not actually going to get anywhere. So now that we've got an understanding of like our values and where money comes from, it's really easy to assess kind of some of the beliefs that we've we've got and some of the areas that we do want to take away from our parents and some of the areas that we don't want to take away. So the next thing, and I discussed this briefly, is to go through like your spending habits because at the end of the day, wealth is very simple. If your income is greater than the expenses or outgoings, then you will be wealthy. If your expenses and outgoing is less than your income, you're going to be poor. It's very straightforward. So what I want you to do, and this is something you can do for later, so we're not going to go through this, but now that you've got the above values that you understand, you can understand where your teachings come from and, and how you could shift them. But I want you to think about what your incomes are, what your expenses are, what your debt is, what your savings, oh, excuse me, what your savings or investments are. You know, go through, if you can, three months of your bank cards and see where, where you're spending your money. Like either kind of person who goes and buys a coffee every morning and then like, a cake with that and you, you're at Starbucks. So you're spending like $11, $12 every single morning on your way to work because that's something that can compound very quickly. Either kind of person who doesn't spend any money and like you're buying the cheapest brands everywhere and it's affecting your health maybe, or you feel like you don't have the time to cook. So you're getting food out and it's not healthy food. These are the kind of things you have to take note of, whether that's, I'm not saying you have to change these things just to observe them and be understanding of them. Because once we have an idea of how we spend our money and where we actually put it, then we can understand how we feel money provides benefits or, or negatives in our life. And so actually going through these statements and doing, and then notice like, are you afraid of going and doing finances and budgeting? Like, is the idea of going through your bank statements like daunting and terrifying? You've never done it. Or is it something that you do a regular on your, you know, in your day-to-day -day life? Are you living above or below your means? So like if you are living, like if you, for example, if you've got a really expensive car that you're paying off, but your income does not match it, um, then you're living above your means. If you've got like a four bedroom house, just in case you have guests over, but you're on your own and you're paying a mortgage that's so big that you're basically paying 80% of your rent, uh, your income into your mortgage. Is that really necessary? Now, I'm not a financial planner at all. Uh, these are just things that I've learned over my times. Like I've learned to live very well below my means. And that's why I've been able to travel the world and do all the things I've done because I understand like, I don't need to live in a four bedroom place when it's just me and my fiance. <laughs> like I don't need to have this huge base house where we can put all our things and come back to every now and again when I'm traveling the world. Like I just need a rucksack, you know, like put things in perspective and see really how you want to live your life. And are you living by that means? Or are you living according to the person who brought you up and their outreach on money? Or are you living according to your friends and family and the people in your immediate environment? Because you feel like that's the way you should be spending your money. And that's the way you should be um, living your life. Because there's no point in living 
to someone else's means. You have to live to your own because if you're not living to your own means, then you will actually be stretching out thin your relationship with money and go, oh, this isn't actually me, but I'm trying to make it fit to other people's lives. And then you'll jump on the charts going, oh, I need to make this work so that way I can actually have the boat to go hang out with my friends on the weekend. I don't really want to go boating. I'm happy just on one of theirs, but everyone's got one now. So I have to, I don't know what examples you might have in your life, but if you go, ah, it actually doesn't matter because all I want from trading, for example, is the ability to substitute my $500 a month with the job that I've got. So now all I need is $500 a month from this. Oh, how do I get $500 a month? Oh, that's what's that like half a percent from a 10 K account. Okay, great. Now I know what I can work to. Half a percent a month on a 10K account. Is that right? 10%? No, that's not right. That's 5% a month on a 10K account. You know, I can, now I know, oh, I don't need to have my 5% a day. I can work my way to a 10K account and then I can get 5% a month, which is like 1.25% a week. And so I can bring that down. So my risk is nowhere near as high so that I'm actually only getting half a percent a week or a quarter of a percent a day. And then when I have these expectations, they're really low. So, oh, I'd go for a quarter percent today. Oh, look at that. I got 1%. Sick. What a great day. I got four times as much as I was meant to. Not, oh, I need to get 5% to grow this and do all this. Oh, no, I only made 10% of what I got. I suck. So you're getting the exact same value, but your whole mindset towards how you feel about that level is completely shifted. So go in and check your values behind where your money comes from. Go and check your beliefs of who brought you these, you know, this money relationship and go do your own financial habits and stuff like that. Actually go through and check them. You know, are your biggest investments reinvesting in like, and then lastly, just to touch base, just because before we leave, is your money going into reinvesting business? Is it going into more finance stuff? Is it going into your health and fitness? Is it going into other people or is it going into like pleasures and luxuries? Like if you can categorize these where your money is going and understand what's important to you, then you can really start to curb that relationship with money and be comfortable with it. Maybe you can shift it from that anxiety space to that. Oh yeah, this is actually going to give me freedom space. Or maybe you go from like, oh, money's just there to buy all the fancy things to actually, I can build a, a empire of wealth for me and many other people. And once you can understand the power of it and where you're at, you can start to shift that um, relationship. All right, we're going on a little bit late. The trading call has already started, so I'm going to jump over there. Um, I'm just going to read some of these chat um, comments. Beg save. Money was something you didn't talk about. Yep. Money should be talked about. It's how we learn. Exactly. Awesome. Good stuff, Jake. I feel I want to dig into this deeper. Yeah, maybe um, I'm, I can look at doing a bit more of this into next week as well. This is great, Jake. Thank you. Now I know where my feelings come from during trading. Yeah, this is the key. This is what I really want is for people to understand the relationship with money so they understand where those emotions come from in trading because the emotions in trading is what's going to destroy your accounts. And if you can understand your emotions and learn to manage them on the charts, well, outside the charts, then you'll be able to manage them on the charts and this will hopefully lead you to abundance and freedom, financial freedom. Thank you, Jake. I took one to big, dig deeper into my money mindset. This has really helped me get started with the process. Happy money. I took a course on it. Love it. I'd love to hear your inputs and what you took out of that happy money course. So grateful for this. I would love to live out of a rucksack. <laughs> it's a life. I loved it. Love this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Lots to do. Yeah. We've all got lots to do. 
um, in this ever-growing journey. And once we can establish our emotions and our relationships with ourselves and with money, hopefully we can better our results on the charts, which is my overall goal for this call and for everyone on here. All right. Love you all. I'm going to leave you because I'm a bit over time today. And uh, if you're trading, I'll see you on the trading call. If not, I shall see you tomorrow with Deanna. Bye.